When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Cancel your plans this weekend because there is nowhere else you want to be than watching the return of the Premier League. It seems like an age ago since Vincent Company lifted the Premier League trophy back in May. But never fear, the Premier League, the best league in the world, is back. Get your fantasy football team sorted, get the lads round for a few beers, get your accumulators done, only for them to be down the pan from ten past three like mine usually are. This is Premier League Daily, the only podcast seven days a week that focuses on all the big talking points, opinion and analysis in England's top flight. I'm Niall McCorn and alongside me in the studio today... To look at all the big talking points from this weekend, we're going to be previewing all the action. We've got Richard Johnson. Hello, Richard. Hello. We've got Pete Hall. Hello, Pete. Hello. And producing the show today, we've got Fergal Brennan. Hello, Hello. Fergal. Hello. How are we all feeling about the start of the new season, lads? Excited. You buzzing? Oh, Very yes. Very excited. Oh, God. It comes around quick. <laughs> I know it does. I know it does. It's, it's, it's exciting for me because there are a few teams in the Premier League which you just can't separate. So I, I, mm. I've been struggling to decide who's going to go down this year. But I've equally been struggling to decide who's going to finish in the top four. It's been an interesting transfer window as well. There's been some signings that you didn't see coming. Yeah, absolutely. So talking of the transfer window, we're going to be having a recap over all the big deadline day deals. We'll be talking Arsenal's double defensive signing. Alex Iwobi's jaunts up to the northwest to play for Everton. Scott Carson, where did that come from? <laughs> He's going to be playing for Manchester City. And Andy Carroll, back where it all started for him at Newcastle United. We'll also be previewing some of the big games of the weekend. We'll have Jim from over the white... We'll have Jim from on the left side on the show talking about the new rules in the game. And Chris Darwin from Total Football Analysis will also be here to give us the lowdown on United versus Chelsea. What a tactical battle that proves to be. Lampard against Solskjaer, who will come out on top. But first, let's get our teeth stuck into transfer deadline day. I'm so glad it's over. I'm so (laughs) glad. It's just 5pm deadline. On a Thursday at the start of August, it's it's a bit different to what we're used to, Pete. To be fair, yeah. Um, having I've worked a lot of the the transfer windows in the past, and the midnight and it's not midnight, is it? It's oh. it's two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, five o'clock is a godsend to to journalists. I can tell you that. Um, but I I I'm very very glad it's over. Uh, just the the whole 
oh, I've heard this and I've heard that <laughs> and I've been told this and I've been told that and and just it's this it's the same. There's always these. You remember the Nicholas Gaytown going uh, for, going to Man United from Benfica for five years. There seems to be about four of those this window, doesn't there? So, yeah, it's it's been a bit tiresome, but. It, glad it's over, but it's been it's been a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be the transfer window. So. Yeah, there's been some exciting signings. Uh, you know, we live in the internet age now, the the age of the meme, and mm. I quite enjoyed the one of uh, all of those planes landing in at Manchester Airport, yeah. claiming to be all of United <laughs> signings over the last few years. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. But let's talk about Arsenal. Let's start in the capital. They've signed two defensive players, David Luiz and Kieran Tierney. Now we were saying when Koscielny left, that leaves an even bigger gaping hole at centre half for Arsenal. They needed to bring in some central defensive reinforcements. Maybe I naively thought that David Luiz wouldn't be one of those people, Rich, but there he is. He's there at Arsenal now. I think talking of memes, the uh, one which is basically Ferrari up front and a knackered old car at the back sums uh, <laughs> Arsenal pretty well, to be honest. I, I don't get um, how they've managed to come to this position where signing David Luiz as their you know, defensive reinforcement, which was much needed, is the only option for them. It's absolutely mad. You know, getting rid of Koscielny is a bit of a shame, but then Louise, he's not reliable. Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, Mustafi and Louise at the back, it could send shivers down any Arsenal mm. fan's spine, and surely. He, he, even Turney, you know, he's good going forward. But again, he's not the number one, you know, sort of defensive fullback that you'd actually choose. So, you know, I think that's obviously, a, it'll be a decent signing for them, play, play within their style quite well. But... Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing how teams go at Arsenal, I think. It's very Real Madrid, isn't it? You know, yeah. like the Real Madrid, like the Florentino Perez is like, we will not sign defenders. It's very <laughs> much like that. Arsenal have got an amazing front six. Yeah. And then they've got Mustafi and Socrates. That's their best. Yeah. That's their best partnership. Oh, Robert... God. Oh, God. <laughs> Fer- on, producer Fergal's an Arsenal fan. So, <laughs> what are you thinking, Fergal? Come on. I've just been listening to this for the last minute or so and just thinking, do you know what? I thought maybe, maybe I was looking at this negatively, you know glass half empty type of situation but no it, it really is as bad as the guys have made out when you look at someone like David Luiz I don't get where this move has come from everyone likes to you know give each other a nod and a wink the day before the transfer window shuts and says you know I knew this was going to happen or I heard this or yeah. nobody saw this happening and I think the reason nobody saw it happening is because nobody understands why it's happened mm. when you look at Koscielny and the, the attributes that he had as a leader as a centre-back for Arsenal yes it didn't end particularly well with him with him pushing for a move and, and refusing to go on the preseason. But I don't see what, as a leader, David Luiz offers, and I definitely don't see what he offers as a defender. I already have in my mind's eye, not just this weekend against Newcastle, but moving forward, I can just see long ball after long ball coming forward, and and him and Mustafi, Mustafi, sorry, just banging into each other, ha- having a chat on the halfway line, and I just think so many opposition managers, particularly from sides in the bottom half of the table, we're going to see a situation where they're going to be licking their lips, and they're going to be saying to their centre yeah. forward. Either one of them, take your pick. But go and stand on him, go and stand on him, and let's have some fun. And and the only people that are not going to be having fun is me and the rest <laughs> of the Arsenal fans. Yeah. There is a there is a real sense of liability, I think, when you've got those two. Oh, they yeah. are, and something's going to go wrong here. I'm quite excited, though, to see Louise and Gwendouzi play together. It'd be like father yeah, and son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's been a few memes of that. <laughs> don't, don't, have there really? I'll tell you what, yeah. if you're... The, the uh, double crusty meme, that's the best yeah, one. So. Say, if, if you're in the business of selling a big Fellaini-style wigs, you yeah. are rubbing your hands in Northampton. <laughs> I bet you're absolutely loving it. Um, let's talk about Kieran Tierney a little more, then, because he's obviously been a... A, a decent prospect at Celtic. Mm. I mean, they've what's that three trebles in a row yeah. or something? Yeah. They've won, Pete. So to be perfectly fair, a, a move to Arsenal. You can't begrudge the lad a move to the Premier League. No. He does come injured, so Arsenal yeah. have to deal with that for the first 
few weeks of the season. What can he offer uh, to Arsenal? £25 million they paid for him. Well, I th- actually think this is a really good signing. Um, I, I do get Richard's reservations about him defensively, but this is a real problem area for Arsenal, and they've, they've addressed it, and they've identified an area, and they've gone and got the man that they wanted. And fair play to them for doing that. I mean... Arsenal fans, uh, you'll, you'll know. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you're one of them. The picket <laughs> fence. They were at the start of the transfer window when they were chasing Zahar and they didn't, and they wouldn't add an extra pound onto the transfer fee like Luis Suarez s kind of yeah. thing. It was very much you didn't see all these transfers coming in. So no. yeah, all, all right. I mean, this still needs a lot of re- defensive reinforcements. I'm not sure David Luis is the 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 answer, but there are some good signers in there, and I think Tierney is one. And fullbacks these days mm. are like gold dust. Yes. Yeah. Um and they are so key to, to teams these days. And look at City, they, all they did is sign two fullbacks and it revolutionised them. So yeah. I think he'll be a good signing because their alternatives are, are pretty dire in that position. Yeah, I do think Arsenal are quite top heavy. It feels like they're going to have a we'll score five, you'll score oh, yeah. four sort It'll be of fun. season. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. So two new names, David Luiz and Kieran Tierney into the Emirates Stadium. One leaving, a notable one leaving, Alex Awobi. He's gone to Everton for mm. somewhere between 35 and 40 million quid, which everyone on Twitter went absolutely bananas about because they thought it was a disgraceful <laughs> move. Um, is he worth that money, Richard, do you think? Because there's a lot of people on Twitter that don't seem to think so. I don't know how you can justify that money for him. You know, you look at all of his stats, you look at his his output in terms of actually what you'd expect for, for you know, an attacking player, and he doesn't give it. So I think, you know, all credit to Arsenal, you know, fantastic bit of business. They've uh, made a couple of deadline day signings. They've earned the money back straight away. Obviously, we know they had a huge outlay on Pepe. And they've sort of pulled the uh, rug under Everton's feet a little bit with that one, I think. But who knows? It could be one of those, you know, underdog surprise. You know, Sterling always Mm -hmm. sort of... Uh, he, he never maybe reached his full potential, uh, you know, until like the last couple of years. Is that something again with Iwobi that we'll Mm -hmm. see as he's matured and as he develops? Maybe he'll shock us all. I don't know. Maybe. I actually think he's. I actually think he's quite a good player. Yeah, and, I do too. And he he played he played quite a lot last season. He was getting yeah. more wet, and when he got a good run of games, he was actually really good. And for a proven Premier League player, I think it's slightly over overpriced. But I don't think I don't think it's catastrophic. Really, I, I'd pretty much completely agree with Peter. You're going to miss I, him, Fergal? Do you think at Arsenal? Personally, I he am because again, I, I think he's crying. Yeah, he's crying. <laughs> that picture of him on my desk, you know, I've had to turn it to face the wall. He he's in a position where it's a thankless task in an Arsenal team that's been struggling post Wenger. Uh, Unai Emery's been trying to get systems in place. He's been trying to find a place to fit him. And I think, generally speaking, and it might be a bit of a buzzword, but I think the big thing with Iwobi has been his attitude. He hasn't been first choice every time under Emery. Sometimes he's had to come off the bench and make an impact. Sometimes he's started. He's always the first player if there's a reshuffle mid-game because Arsenal are losing. He's the first player that either gets subbed off or he gets moved somewhere else. And his reaction in these situations, I think, has been excellent. I get that sometimes he's not the easiest on the eye and and sometimes he can be very frustrating in one-on-one situations with defenders where he he shows himself too early and gives the ball away. But what I think he does offer is is a willingness to run in behind, a willingness to, to try things. And I think, not trying to be overly optimistic on Arsenal but I think it's, it's a demonstration of the sign of the times these things have to be taken in stages Everton know that their objective is to get into the Europa League this coming season Arsenal know their objective is to get back in the Champions League I think mm. with Alex Wobi we're seeing an example <clears throat> perfect example of a player who straddles that gap perfectly he's good enough for Europa League side probably not good enough for a Champions League side so with regards to Everton I think he slots in for their yep. short term medium term objectives whereas thankfully from an Arsenal point of view Emery has maybe thought he's not a Champions League player. That's where Arsenal want to be. Thus, see you later. Is he better than Theo Walcott? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think so. 
So I mean, we'll that, have to that, that, that's one of my one of my questions is I'm not is sure he's going to improve Sterling. Right? <laughs> no, <that's> no. <laughs> I mean the I mean the comparison in terms oh, of right. uh, mature you know maturing as a player. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but is he going to improve Everton? I mean you know that's that's yeah. my th- if they hadn't have signed him, would that have you know mattered to Everton? Mm. Uh, you know going into this season, I would have said not. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I think the the clear winner of this transfer window from a player perspective is Scott Carson. What a guy. Yeah. He's given he, us all hope. How has he done that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been Googling his agent us, today. Yeah. <laughs> he's given us all hope in many walks of life, Fergal. Yeah. We can walk into a bar and come out with absolutely anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely anything. Anything you, you want. You know what I love as well? Signings <laughs> like that, they just come out of nowhere. Like yesterday, when he just, you know, what yeah. was it? About nine o'clock and it's Scott Carson, Sanford City. Oh my God, fantastic. The other one, this uh, this transfer was obviously Delft signing for Everton. Yeah. You know, gets under the, under the feet of everyone. Right, announced, amazing. Yeah. But yeah, what what a guy! I love how Manchester City fans uh, are not too taking it too seriously. Even yeah. oh, why are we signing this guy? He's washed <laughs> up. But at least yeah. they at least they can have a bit of joke. They, about they it. know that they've got two very good goalkeepers ahead of him, so he's very unlikely to play. It's a bit. It's, a, it's the Richard Wright. He's the new Richard Wright, isn't he? Everyone's going to want to see him play though. One appearance in the in the Carabao Cup gets you a medal. Yeah, that's, that's true. all we need. Yeah. Do you think he's going to one up Rob Green and go and lift the yeah, Champions, yeah, lift Champions League, League. <laughs> in his full kit, full having kit, not played yeah. a game all season? Gloves on. Uh, so Scott Carson to Manchester City, one that was announced late yesterday, and finally from the transfer front. On transfer deadline day. It's a return to where it all started for Andy Carroll at St James's Park. He's linked back up with Newcastle United, his boyhood club. If they can keep him fit, that could be a very useful signing for Steve Bruce because he's on a pay-as-you-play contract. But as we know, Andy Carroll, it comes with the territory when you sign him, you're probably not going to get a full season out of him. Yeah, and, and they knew that by offering him that deal. Um, they're not going to lose a lot of money if he, if he does get injured. So it's, it's there's not a great deal to lose. And it's very much the you know the, not the returning hero, but certain players work at back at work best at certain clubs, certain environments, and mm. uh, and and I think it's a good move. And if he when he's fit, he's a good player, isn't he? Um, he's not just a, you know the battering ram he does. He's not too bad with his feet, um, and he could still get ten goals at Newcastle, which this season for them could be. Vital. I it, think I think uh, if he gets ten goals, that'd be a miracle. I think mm. I think there will be sections of Newcastle fans that will be kind of trying <laughs> trying to take the the emotion out of it and saying, you know, as you say, the returning hero, not so hero coming back. Yeah. But I think when when all of that gets stripped away, what we what we are looking at is a very injury prone striker who hasn't consistently produced since he was at St James's Park. He, mm. he was never at any sort of consistent level with either Liverpool or, or West Ham, and I think. The way that Newcastle are going to play this season, we were chatting about it before we started recording, you would assume that Bruce will look to be a little bit more expansive than, than Rafa Benitez uh, last season. And when you have someone like Andy Carroll in your team, particularly if he you know gets fit and he proves that he wants to be starting every game, there is only really one way to, to play. I, I take what Pete's saying, that it's unfair to say that he's just you know a one-trick pony, but mm. there is still a very clear yeah. skill set that he has. Mm. And whether that's direct balls into him, whether that's crosses from out wide, whether that's him occupying defenders to let players feed off him, you don't really get the sense that that's the way Bruce wants to go. I think more more than more than anything, as cynical as it might sound, I think this is a bit of a PR exercise from the club and from Bruce to say, we're not quite sure where we stand as a club at the moment. Let's get a great big smoke and mirror situation going on here yeah. where, you know, when when they when they play Arsenal this weekend, St James's Park will be bouncing whether he's starting, whether he's on the bench. Mm-hmm. And if he comes on, the, the roof's going to come off the place. And I think that's that's an ideal situation for Bruce. He can then concentrate on trying to bed himself in as manager, look to get some of his, his philosophies over. But I think in terms of playing and starting games, I would be surprised to see a great deal of it. It's, it's a total PR masterstroke. 
uh, from Ashley. You know, it's just absolutely, he's played a blinder there. Because I think as well, like, like you say, in terms of Bruce and the way that he might want to play, another free transfer, another injury-prone striker that they could have looked at, Danny Welbeck, who might have filled that a little bit more. And he's actually, you know, probably got got mm. better better yeah. goal ratio. got more about him as well. Yeah, Newcastle have got this policy of only really signing players under the age of 26 that they mm. can make a profit on selling to other clubs in the future. Yeah. Andy Carroll is the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's 30 years old. He's always injured. I think 26 goals in 102 Premier League appearances for West Ham. So one in four, roughly. Yeah. But he was there for six years and played only 102 Premier mm-hmm. League games. And if you think Crazy. there's 30-odd games a season, probably, if you, even if you miss a couple. Yeah. That's, um, that's, not, that's not the best. No, it's not. Um, but I just think it's... There's not much to lose. There's not much to lose there just because of the, of the deal that he's... If, he, if they'd offer him a ridiculous deal... Then I think yeah they've made a big error here, but pay as you play. Pay as you play. Mm. Um, there are there's not many other options though, so you might have to play. <laughs> you might have to play if he's sixty percent fit. Yeah, so. get him in. Yeah. Big Andy Carroll back yeah. at St James's. Love it. Anyway, that's a, a quick roundup of some of the transfers that happened on transfer deadline day. Uh, I'm just so glad it's over and we can focus <laughs> on the bits that everyone really cares about in the Premier League season. And that is, of course, the football itself. But just before we move on from transfers, who's who's won the transfer window for you, for you, Richard? Who do you think's the who do you think's the team that have really done the best business this summer? So I think I think Leicester actually. I mean, the the only flaw in their or, or issue they had in their transfer policy this year was obviously Maguire being hounded all summer, um, and they didn't get a chance to replace him. And I think ultimately, you know, even the options they, they were looking at, you know, I think uh, Tarkowski and, and Aki, I think obviously everyone knew how much money they got from Maguire. So the fees they were looking there were astronomical. So that's anything that hampered them, I think, from from my perspective. But they made some really shrewd signings that complement the team. Tillemans, uh, Perez, um, I think they're really going to comp- complement Madison and Vardy. Yes. Um, and mm. for me, you know, they are going to be improving on last, se- last season, the finished ninth. Um, they're going to be up there, top of best of the rest for me. Pete, what do you reckon? Leicester's a good shout for me, I think, but obviously I can't choose the same as Rich, <laughs> and nor can you, so what no. have you gone with? Leicester is a good shout, but I think Everton pipped them just. Um, people forget about the, the first one, Andre Gomez. Oh, my God. When you mm. see people like Tyrone Mings going yeah. for £20 million, pounds, yeah. and when you see uh, Brighton paying £20 million for Adam Webster, who's yeah. a very good championship defender, and I, I personally love him as a player, yeah. Neil uh, Morpé also £20 million, and then mm. you can get Andre Gomez from yeah. Barcelona for £22 million. Yeah. And he That's got to be the bargain he in the was, window. It's the bargain in the window for me, and he became a bit of a cult hero last season at Everton, and they've got, him, they've got the player that they wanted for a, a snip. It's an absolute steal, that, for a player of his ability. <laughs> it's a bargain. Um, and then you add on the other ones. Uh, another bargain as well. We talked about it earlier. Eight million for Delph. Yeah, that's he's an England. Cheap, yes. He's an England international yeah, yeah. midfielder. That's pretty good going. He's won three Premier Leagues in his four seasons or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. You know. um, the, I th- there's got to be more to the, the, the Keane signing than meets the eye because that seems a very cheap deal for someone so young Who's, who's so talented. So is there some temperamental issues there? Have you seen he set his target as seven yeah, goals for this season? I know, yeah. No way, yeah. <laughs> He's got 30, 37 million. Yeah, yeah. I want to score seven goals this year, lads. Yeah. That's <laughs> a bit it's, weird. It's, it's, it was an odd sign in that, but an exciting one. And I think I think Awobi's a good sign as well and adds to their firepower. With Richarlison through the middle, they'll have a really good forward line. Sidibe from Monaco is a great last-minute signing as well. He was on the opposite flank mm. to Mendy in that in that amazing Monaco team. So it's, it's some really good signings. And then you've got Gabamin, who nobody knows anything about, thrown in there as well for a bit more excitement. I think Everton fans are in for a really exciting season. Oh, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I'm excited to see how they do. And yeah. I've been saying on Premier League Daily for the last few months now, I, I, I think that that top 
four slash top six, even top ten race is mm. just going to be fascinating this yep. year. So many teams sort of jostling for those positions. It's better quality, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Fergal, <laughs> what, what are you going with? Well, I can't go for Arsenal because I think that's just that's just too biased. I'm going to go for a bit of a left field shout, and I, th- I think West Ham. I think in relation to where they were last season and in relation to the recruitment that they've made, really addressing areas that they've had shortcomings in, I think whilst obviously it hasn't been the, the big names and, and the, the kind of furore around them, I think the signings of Sebastian Harlett and, and Pablo Fornells, they've looked at two real problems they had in that side last season, which was they didn't have someone to lead the line effectively because <clears throat> Mr. Carroll was <laughs> otherwise indisposed. And and, and Sebastian <laughs> Haller, he, he was absolutely excellent in the Bundesliga last season. Yeah. And I think we'll see West Ham this season look to stretch teams on a little bit further. When, mm. when you play with Carroll or even when you play with Hernandez, it is still quite one-dimensional. You know the run that Hernandez is going to make. Yeah. It may come off, it may not come off. Whereas someone like Sebastian Haller can occupy defences. He's very strong. He's physically able to dominate players. He's able mm. to make runs in behind. And he still has that instinct to, instinct to be in the box. Pablo Fornals is, is someone that I've kept an eye on for years. Work that I do for, for La Liga. He's someone that's flown under the radar. <clears throat> the guys obviously mentioned Delph and, and a few others. He's someone that is an absolutely outstanding footballer yeah. that I think if it clicks for him at West Ham, as it did with Felipe Anderson last season, I think he'll be a, an absolute asset to them because the way that West Ham play, we saw last season, they're very good out wide. Lanzini and Anderson will get forward and, and look to help out whoever is in attack, but they're very uh, stoic in midfield with either Noble and Rice or mm. Wilshire if he's fit. They need someone to, to occupy that mm. 15, 20 yards in front of those two players and that's what Fornals can do. He's not a prolific goal scorer, but he's brilliant at creating opportunities and when you've got Anderson, Haller, Lanzini, Hernandez off the bench making runs, he'll be able to spot them and and I also think lastly that players they've retained, there was you know fleeting interest in in various players in their team, Declan Rice there was talking United, Liverpool being interested in him, they've kept him, Aaron Cresswell there was talk talk of him going, Diop is is outstanding, very kind of no-nonsense defender, they haven't let anyone go and I think that shows Pellegrini's ability to retain these players and maybe say, look, the Europa League push didn't work out last season. Last season, Let's give it another go. I've used the money wisely to drop in the quality that we need. So let's see where the, the, the dice falls this season. Interesting uh, approach that you take there, Fergal, with players not leaving your club is the sign of having yeah. a good summer window at the <laughs> yeah. moment in the Premier League. Everyone's going everywhere. Yeah. He's kept them at the club. It's a it's good true. window for him. I'm going with Spurs. Um, and although they have lost players, um, I think there was uh, uncertainties over whether Danny Rose would stay at the club mm. even, but Kieran Trippi has gone to Atletico Madrid. I think he was definitely going to leave whether They've it got good to, money for him, to Napoli or, or wherever it was going to be. There was certainly lots of interest in him this summer. So he's gone. But I think Tangai and Dombele is a really exciting signing. Mm-hmm. From from what I've seen of him, he's powerful, yeah. he's skillful, he drives and progresses the ball forward really, really well. He's not a big goal scorer, uh, but I mean, you wouldn't expect that from someone who probably plays in a more deeper midfield role. But certainly, he can get into really exciting areas. He he can drift out wide sometimes. Yep. Uh, he can hold the ball up really well when you get into a tight spot. Um, so I'm excited to see him so much so that I put him in my fantasy team for about mm. three days before I realised he's <laughs> not going to get me any points. Well. <laughs> the ultimate commitment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've also signed Giovanni Lothelso, um, which is a really exciting signing, I think, as well. But so many names have been linked with yeah. Spurs in that sort of attacking yeah. midfield position. I think Bruno Fernandes was mooted at one point a few days ago. 
Paolo Dybala, I know he's more of a second striker, but certainly another exciting attacking player that was linked with them. Um, there was another, I can't think who the other player was now. They're attracting, they're attracting the big boys, aren't they? Um, and and the yeah. fact that Tottenham have had any form of window is, is, a, is a turn up for the books, isn't it? Because they haven't signed anyone for 17 years or whatever it was before before this window. It, so. it was just say it'd be interesting to see how they manage the Christian Eriksen situation. Yeah. Like, he clearly came out and said he wanted to leave. Well, listen, he, he can still go because the, because the transfer windows abroad yeah. don't yeah. close until another three weeks' time. Three weeks' time. So, I mean, it's there. not all done and dusted yet. So yeah. I think... But they need I mean, him. Yeah, they do need him. They do need but the, him. But the thing is, Levy, you know, the, the power is out of his hands now with Christian yeah. Eriksen. You know, yeah. they, he doesn't like players uh, running down their contracts. Not, no. Yeah, they do They do need him, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to sign a new contract, so they do risk uh, run the risk of losing, losing him for zilch yeah. uh, when they could just pick up £50 million for him, which was obviously be helpful to Spurs. Sessegnon yeah. um, as well, one for the future, might not play too much, but certainly having lost a fullback in Kieran Trippier, Sessegnon, uh, yeah. I think that you could probably make him adaptable to play both sides. You could even push him forward and play him in sort of a winger position. So I'm quite excited to see how Spurs do this season. I think that second spot, and everyone's saying it's either going to be Liverpool or whoever, I think that second spot is probably going to be a bit closer this season mm. than last. It'll be closer, yeah. I certainly. think it'll be a lot closer. Uh, so that's uh, our picks. What about a quick dark horse for the season? So I'm going for, this is a little bit flaky, but uh, so I'm saying that Graham Potter, I'm excited to see him at Brighton and I'm going to say they're going to beat the odds and finish towards the top half of the table. So I'm saying like 11th or 10th. I think if you go down course, you've got, you've got to say they are going to be they, 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 you're they gonna are. You're going to nail your I'm going to go from, they finished 17th last year, I'm going to go, they're going to finish 11th. Because wow. I don't think it's going to get relegated. 11th. Like, I don't think so. I think I like Graham Potter. I like what he did with Swansea. I like his philosophy. He, I like the way he talks. You know, one, one thing apparently he said um, last year when they were um, playing United in FA Cup and, and when Swansea beat them, he said in his pre-match team talk, how do you want to die to the players? And that spirited them to this <laughs> to this <laughs> win, to, <laughs> to the club. Like, Charge on the light brigade. <laughs> to say. I love yeah. that. So, uh, Did he they... do it in a suit of armour? Yeah, <laughs> that needs to be some sort of Netflix documentary yeah. following yeah. Graham Potter around. Um they made some good signings. Obviously, Neil Mopé from uh, from Brighton. Um, we mentioned, um, obviously, signing uh, Webster from Webster. Bristol City. Yeah. Trossard from Genk. He won the league last year, mm. and they're going to play a bit more attacking football um, than they did uh, than they did last year under Chris Hutton. So that's my pick. Brighton dark horse is going to finish. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people have tipped them to go down. So they that have, would be yeah. a dark horse. Pete, Not what about it. you? Um, I, I've been a bit. I've been quite bold with mine. Um, I think for lack of alternatives and the fact that I think this is all competitions as well. I, I think he's going to play a lot of games. I think Tammy Abraham will get 20 goals this season. Whoa. Um, because there are, there are no, not, there aren't no many strikers at Chelsea. Um, well, it's Batshuayi or Giroud. Batshuayi. Otherwise, he's going to play. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of him. And I think um, when he was at Swansea, People, people sort of could go back to the time when he was at Swansea in the Premier League. Oh, he didn't score goals then. I was like, because nobody did, because he was in a really poor team. Well, since Michu left Swansea, they had yeah, nothing. They had yeah. nothing. Yeah, as soon as the Goodson went, that was it. Yeah, Game yeah. over. No goals at Swansea. Um, he went to Villa and he scored loads of goals in the Championship and he blew the Championship away. He was brilliant. He, and he's only going to get better. He's a young player. He's only going to get better. And I think with service from either side, which I think Chelsea have got with, with Pulisic and um, Hudson Odoi. I think he'll get the chances. And over this course of the season, because there's not many other options, uh, Giroud's age, Batshuayi, we don't know if he's going to produce the goods. So I think he'll get games. So, yeah, why not? 20 goals. Love that. Fergal, you quickly? 
Uh, I'm going to go for a bit of a left field one as well here. <clears throat> I've gone full circle on my relegation candidates, and I'm going to go Sheffield United to finish top 10. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, oh. hear me out, hear me out, hear me so out. I nearly, fell out, out. My, nearly fell out my chair. That's then. Not is, that straight, is that straightforward? That is. It's Chris yeah. Wilder's own brandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason for this is very, very simple. I've been looking at this last few days. Initially, I thought, like everyone, relegation candidates. But what I think they've done in the summer, recruited smartly, addressed certain positions. And I just look at their team and I think they're way more capable of locking out games than Norwich and Villa have come up. I think Villa are going to, I firmly think Villa are going to do a bit of a Fulham crash and burn. They've spent a huge amount of money. Mm. Norwich, Daniel Fark is, is relying on the same players to, to keep them up that got them up. I, I don't think that's going to work. Um, and I do think, Top ten maybe is a bit ambitious, but I, I can't I can't sit on the fence and say top fifteen, so I'm gonna to say top ten. De- I would say mid table if I was to change my mind, but I just think they'll be able to lock out games better than other sides. Chris Wilder's not this, you know, kind of tub thumping long ball merchant that people paint him out to be. He's I a think, proper manager. He yeah. plays three yeah. at the back, he plays a good system. Yeah. I mean it is gonna be they're gonna die on the hill. If they're yeah. gonna go and down, and they're gonna go and down. And I think badly. he and I think he's yeah. willing and I think he's willing to adapt, which I think a lot of other managers won't be. We'll we'll see in the autumn managers getting sacked, whereas I think he's got enough about him to keep yeah. himself in the job and make changes if necessary. Now, while you haven't quite convinced me, I do get <laughs> quite I, I, I think I, I think they have a better chance than people are giving them of staying yeah, up. I agree. Because of Chris Wilder, he, he he's managed in every division. Yeah, he deserves yeah. a crack at the and Premier he League. is a very intelligent manager, and he has different systems and he plays great football. And you ask people who watch Sheffield United every week, you watch Sheffield United fans, they absolutely love him. Yeah. Not just yeah. not just because he's from Sheffield, he's a Sheffield United fan, because they play good football and they've done it without spending millions and millions of pounds. Mm. And they have a better chance than people are giving them. Okay, uh, not um, top after. I'm going with <laughs> yet. <laughs> I'm going with Newcastle United. I think they'll finish. Not, not in the bottom three. <laughs> I, I, I think anywhere between, I, I, I wouldn't say sort of twelve mid table. I don't think they'll be as in much as in trouble as people think. Okay. So that's my dark horse prediction: is Newcastle to finish comfortably uh, safe mid table. Right. Because I think although they've made uh, some interesting signings and they've lost Rafa Benitez, which was obviously a huge hammer blow to them, they've brought in Steve Bruce, which isn't the most inspiring managerial recruitment mm. uh, that. To be to be fair, um, I do think they'll play like like what we're saying of Brighton, more expensive football this year. I think they haven't got a choice. Yeah. With the players they've brought in, I don't think they have much of a choice. Um, they've got rid of Carroll. They haven't really replaced Rondon, although Joe Linton is quite a, a muscly, sort of strong, stocky character. But I think he's got a lot more pace uh, than, mm. than Rondon. Um, I just think that, that they'll be better off than people realise. I think they've got a good crop of centre-halves. I think that their, their midfielders are young and exciting. I think Longstaff and, and Hayden, where they're ill, well, he hasn't got his move. He wanted to go back to London. I think yeah. he wanted to move mm-hmm. back to London. Yeah. Um, I think those two players, I think Shelby and Key, they can pick a pass. So if they can get the ball out wide to their new signings, St. Maximine, if they can get it to, to Joe Linton, they've got a new right back as well. So I think I think Newcastle might be better off than people realise. I think maybe mm. similar to what Rich was saying about Brighton, I think uh, Newcastle United would be my pick to uh, to be all right. And everyone's sort of going, mm, not so sure about that one, Niall. No, uh, no. Do you still think they're in danger then, in that uh, case? Yeah, I, I think... I think what we are forgetting is that with the squad, the squad is better. I'll give you that. But the the squad that Benitez had at Newcastle, he worked miracles to keep them up yep. and to get them into the position that he did. And so we can't underestimate the the job that Rafa Benitez did at Newcastle. Take him out of that, and I think they're in big trouble. And there's a lot of negativity around mm. the place, which isn't St James isn't a nice place to be when they go when they go one nil down, two nil down, and they they they. When they go one 0 down, they often capitulate quite quickly. Yeah. So I I fear for Newcastle. I, I do. I th- I think they, I could 
think they could sink without a trace. Okay, well, that's our <laughs> predictions. What are yours at home? Get in touch with us on Twitter at the Sports Social. Let us know what you think. Also, it's a bit too late now, by the way, but if you are interested in playing fantasy football, you can join <laughs> our league, AJR338, but you will be a whole game weekend behind, which yep. is probably still no difference when you're playing against <laughs> me. You will mm. finish above me this season. Do not worry about it. If you do win the league, uh, you get a chance, uh, well, you will. You'll win a £100 voucher to spend at Classic Football Shirts. So make sure you join the league. That code again, AJR338, the official Premier League fantasy football game. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well so you never miss another show. We're going to have a quick break now, but afterwards we're going to be talking about the new rules of the game or at least some of the new laws that have been implemented with Jim from On The Left Side. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about VAR, have a bit of a preview of some of the games that are coming up and we're also going to talk to Chris Darwin who's going to delve into the analysis of United against Chelsea. Don't go anywhere. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Welcome back to Premier League Daily, your only daily podcast that covers the greatest football league in the world, the Premier League. It is back after a long, long summer, plenty of transfer dealings. No accumulators to lose a load of money on. It's all good. We're back into the full swing of things. I'm Niall McCorn. In the studio with me today, we've got Richard Johnson. We've got Pete Hall. We've got Fergal Brennan, who's producing the show for us today. And also on the line, we've got Chris Darwin from Total Football Analysis because the pick of the fixtures this weekend was probably Manchester United against Chelsea. When that fixture was made, everyone was probably thinking that is the one. That's the mouthwatering fixture we're all looking forward to. But it's a fascinating tale of two new managers, or not new, I suppose, in the case of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but certainly with Frank Lampard and two styles of play that might end up clashing against each other. Chris is our man. He's going to delve into it analytically. We want to know exactly what's going to happen in that game tactically. United's press, Chris. Can Chelsea break it? Well, that's going to be probably the, the, the key thing to be looking out for, certainly in the early part of the game. Um, United have actually been looking quite good at this preseason, which is quite interesting considering how badly they finished last season. But Ollie's got them running around a bit, and that's, that's, going, to cause, uh, that's going to cause Chelsea a few questions, I think. Uh, but if Chelsea can get through that, and what we mean by sort of United's press is basically the likes of Rashford, Lingard, maybe Dan James, if he starts getting, getting up into the defenders of Chelsea's faces nice and early when they've got the ball... And then trying to stop them basically being able to play it into Jorginho. And those of us that watched enough of it last year know that Jorginho likes to be able to get the ball and, and spray his passes around. So that's going to be key to watch out for in the first in the first exchanges of the game. Yeah, I think if you freeze out Jorginho, you freeze out Chelsea was the same from last season. So surely that's a that's a target for Manchester United there. Yeah, probably. But then also they're not going to play exactly the same way as they did last year. I mean, already we're seeing a slightly different shape from Lampard. In pre-season, he's preferring to play a double pivot uh, in midfield. So two guys there rather than just Jorginho on his own. And Jorginho, all his sort of uh, professional career, he's been playing as a one there. So it's going to be slightly different for him as well. He's a good player, but yeah, it, to a certain extent, if they can if they can stop him and probably Kovacic getting, uh, getting free reign of the ball early as well, then United are probably going to put what is going to be a different Chelsea back line, don't forget, because they've sold Luis. Uh, it'll be put them under a bit of pressure early on. And that, if United can get an early goal in this, then you could see something quite confidence-boosting for United, but equally quite confidence-draining for, for Chelsea. Uh, obviously, Frank Lampard will be wanting to work with some of the, the younger players at Chelsea. He won't have much of a choice, obviously, with this transfer embargo. Some of the players he worked with last year at Derby for Kaio Tomori, but perhaps the one that stands out the most is Mason Mount. Now, 
it's going to be a really interesting prospect watching him this season because it's his first season in the Premier League after being out on loan in the Championship, in which he did well. But the Premier League is a different kettle of fish. What's Ma- what's Mason Mount's strengths, and, and what will United need to look out for if he starts? Well, if, if he starts, and look, he's been playing well in pre-season. As you say, he had, he had a very good season in the Championship last year. So there's every chance Lampard's going to pick him ahead of Barkley in in the number ten role. Uh, if he starts, and if uh, if Chelsea can get through that United press, then he could start to find space. He's he's a very intelligent player. He finds sort of pockets of space, holes where he can go and play. And if he can then get on the ball and get the likes of Pulisic or mm. or Pedro, and if Tammy Abraham starts up front as well, um, get him into the game early. Mount could actually have quite a big say on on how this game goes. We we haven't seen too many. Too many players like him uh, in in recent times, especially getting the responsibility of playing the 10, maybe in the first game of the season, in such a big fixture. So it'd be very interesting to see what what does happen in there. And also how United counter that, because that if they do play the high press, that's the space they're going to be leaving. And they've been leaving it in pre-season already, which I'm sure Chelsea and Lampard with his new founder, uh, sort of uh, analysis before a game, having been taught by Bielsa last season, would have picked up on that. Mm. Chris, just to ask on the flip side, obviously from a United point of view, with with Harry Maguire coming in, you would expect them to look to play out from the back, and, and Maguire look to carry, look to carry the ball through midfield. How will Chelsea deal with that in terms of their attacking players and are looking to check Maguire's runs, and and United looking to build through the phases from the back? Well, you're right. I think one of the main reasons why Solskjaer was so adamant that he wanted Harry Maguire was because his, in his style of play. Uh, he needs somebody who can bring that ball out and break the lines from the back. And, and Maguire, as we've seen, for, for certainly for England and, and also for, for Leicester at times, is, uh, is a player that can do that. How will Chelsea look to counter that? They've not really faced that too much in pre-season yet. So we don't, we don't really know. And when he dropped down into the, into the championship, other than Sheffield United, who were playing their, their sort of exciting, overlapping centre-halves last season, we didn't, you don't get that too often. In, in there. So how Chelsea will look to counter it, we, we don't really know, to be honest. You would imagine that they would uh, they'd have Pulisic and, um, and Pedro tucking in a little bit more to make it sort of nice and narrow in there. But then also with United, Maguire's so fresh in there. Have they worked out their pattern of play to play out from the back yet? It might be just by putting them under a bit of pressure that mm. some early yep. mistakes could could seep in. A bit like we said about United getting into Chelsea's faces. If Chelsea can do that to United, there could be an early mistake, which again could drain a bit of confidence on on debut for Maguire. That's an interesting point, Chris. And I'll bring Pete in here because I think it all depends somewhat on who partners Maguire at the back. Because I know that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer really rates Axel Twanzebe. Yeah. And he had a good season on loan at Aston Villa last mm-hmm. year. But I mean, mm. are there question marks over the capabilities of whether Phil Jones can play out from the back or Chris Smalling, for example? Oh, yeah. Plenty of question marks. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> How long have we got? Uh, yes, yes. We have many, many questions on that on that subject. By in- injury is a big blow uh, to United. It's been a while getting him back to full fitness. Um, and when he, is full, when, he, when he is fully fit, he's one of United's best defenders. Um, Lindelof is the one um, finished second in the player of the year last year shows how good United's year was last year um, <laughs> behind Luke Shaw um, so he he's very much the, the main man to go alongside Maguire um, and he got better and better as the season progressed last season um, had, had the shaky start which a lot of defenders do when they come to United but has, has, has really proven himself to be dependable and um, 
yeah, he seems to be relishing the a, a bit of a bit of a leadership role at, at the club. He's become quite a senior player mm. among the ranks, and um, Twan Zabi's a, a good a good replacement. But I don't think he'll be uh, first choice. Would that be the ultimate sort of playing out from the back partnership from a United point of view? Then, Chris, do you feel Lind- Lindelof and Maguire? Yeah, I think so, and I think that's the way Solskjaer is going to go longer term with it for for sure. Because as as you've uh, rightly identified, uh, Chris Smalling, uh, Phil Jones, Marcus Rocco. Probably not the security that you want on the ball when when you're trying to play an expansive uh, expansive type of football. Though I'm sure we can all remember when when Phil Jones did play number ten for England against Spain <laughs> a few yeah. years ago. I tried under, to block that out of my memory, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Roy, Hod- Roy Hodgson. Nice to see football. We have moved off on a little bit since since that time. But no, on a serious point, Lind- Lindelof is the is is going to be the partner longer term. I would thought. Jones he's a, he's, a, he's a prospect for sure, but I don't think we'll see him injury apart from if there's any injuries being uh, being the sort of the predominant partner to Maguire early on. On the uh, on the Phil Jones thing, um, I remember when he first came, Fer- Fergie put him in centre midfield because he felt he was too good to play. Even the great people know, yeah. make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, Even the greats of the game. Listen, as, a, as, a, as a Blackburn fan, I will defend Phil Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To the well, well, listen. As long as somebody's defending, because Phil Jones isn't doing any of it, <laughs> yeah, maybe you should get Love the job that. instead of Phil Jones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't pick a winner in this one, Chris. It's going to be. It's going to be close. I think. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be. I think, and the early exchanges are really going to are really going to sort of tell us how the game's going to how the game's going to go. I I can't even come up with a prediction. I think it, either team will be happy to go away unscathed from this one without a without a sort of a confidence sapping defeat in the first game of the season. I think also for for Lampard and the the whole new Chelsea revolution, not lo- not not sort of not losing at the weekend's massive for them. Great stuff, Chris. You'll be back every week, won't you, on the podcast, giving us all the uh, analysis goodness that we need? Indeed, that is that is certainly the plan. So, uh, so yeah, looking forward to next week already. Where can we find you on Twitter, mate? Uh, we can find us at TotalFootballAnalysis.com and at TotalAnalysis is where to follow us on Twitter. Top man, we'll speak to you next week, Chris, and hopefully Phil Jones hasn't scored a hat-trick playing mm-hmm. in number 10 by the time we get you next on. Oh, would you imagine it? That would be the end for me. <laughs> I think you'd be out of a job, wouldn't you, after a week? <laughs> Great to totally. chat to you, mate. Great to chat to you and speak Cheers. to you soon. Take care, guys. Cheers, Chris. So there we have it. Chris Darwin there from Total Football Analysis. He's going to be on the show every week, giving us his analytical advice uh, of what to look out for in the games this weekend. And I think uh, I, I think we're all pretty much in agreement. It's going to be yeah. a close one. It's tough to call that Manchester United against Chelsea at, of course, Old Trafford. Some of the other games taking place in the Premier League this weekend. Well, we can't ignore all of them because it's a full schedule, obviously. Um, let's talk about the champions then. We'll go to the other side of Manchester. Manchester City. They they. They start at the Etihad against West Ham United. Um, what, are, what are our thoughts on that one, Rich? What do you reckon? For me, I can only see it being a, a swashbuckling start for City. I, I think. love it. You know, I, I think, um, you know, West Ham still have a number of defensive frailties. Even Pellegrini's admitted that himself. They have... <laughs> I thought you were going to say, even Pellegrini. I was like, he doesn't play at the back. <laughs> no, he's, he, you know, they have conceded a lot in pre-season. And, and he's even said that he's very concerned about this. Um, I think City have strengthened, obviously, which we know in key positions. Um, even they've they've been... Uh, I saw some, uh, some great analysis um, the other day in terms of some things they've been practising on in pre-season that play to the new rules like playing out from the goalkeeper mm. and how that's stretching the play and stretching teams, um, leaving Sterling up front to sort of, uh, you know, kind of beat the um, 
beat beat the defences straight from goal kicks. I can only see this going one way, and I'm not sure it's going to be pretty for West Ham. Yeah, I think two or three nil by 15, 20 minutes into really? the game. Really? Yeah, I mean, you think it'll be that hot a start for oh, City? Oh yeah, I mean, they they'll be they'll be chomping at the bit, City, to to get back out there. And they've got a great record at, at West Ham. The last seven games, they've won the last seven games against West Ham. Um, and it's 23-3. 23-3, the aggregate score in, in those games. So I, you can't you can't hold much. I, I, do, I do agree with Fergal's point before about West Ham have improved, made some good signings. But City City will be with a fully fit Kevin De Bruyne as well. I mean, we, we forget that City yeah. got so many points without a, a, their best player as well. There's, so. there's no good time to play Man City when, when they're such a good outfit. Yeah. But is the first game of the season perhaps one saving grace in a way for West Ham? Because as you say, that, yeah. re- that record's dismal. But if you're going to play them at any time it's probably at the start yeah, of the season yeah before they get before they get momentum before they really get going but I, I honestly think I think they'll be itching to get back out there you, and you know, I, I think it, it could be a, there's no there's no getting away from them I don't think for West Ham talk, <laughs> talking about this has made me regret not putting triple captain on Aguero so that's City versus West Ham what about Newcastle United against Arsenal Fergal you're an Arsenal fan there's plenty of Newcastle United fans here on Premier League Daily Marley Anderson Phil Hudson two regulars on the podcast throughout the week then not I wouldn't say they were confident of a result against Arsenal because you never know on the first day of the season as we've discussed. But as I said in my dark horse prediction, I think that won't be as much of a pushover as people think. I don't know what you what your view is as an Arsenal supporter. Uh, no, I would agree with that. I think what this game is going to be is a real test of Arsenal's metal. Um, it's the most fashionable thing in Premier League football to question Arsenal's belly for the fight, and I think that will be exactly the situation for the, for their first game at St James's Park. Newcastle will be up for this. Steve Bruce's first game, a packed St James's Park. Obviously, we mentioned in the first part of the show the potential for Andy Carroll playing. This is going to be a test of the majority of the new players that Arsenal have brought in will play. Kieran Tierney is probably the only one that won't. Um, this is going to be a test of are you ready for playing in the Premier League? Are you ready for what it takes to go to difficult grounds and get points and, and, and bring potentially a win back to North London? I think we'll see very, very early on uh, where Arsenal are in terms of their early season form. Obviously, you can't really gauge too much from the first uh, game of the season in terms of the entire nine months but I think the first month we'll, we'll see where Arsenal are at mentality mm. pre-season is always a, a terrible barometer of these things of where teams are in terms of tactics and in terms of mentality but this will be a big one and em- Emery's under a bit more pressure now last season was a little bit of a free hit in a sense yeah. um, he, amazingly he didn't even really get that much of a backlash for losing the Europa League final mm. um, that honeymoon, honeymoon period as it were is is firmly over now the board have backed him. They tried to pretend they didn't have any money, which was obviously a big lie because they've just spent over 150 million on players. Uh, it's up to him to get that from them. Um, in terms of Newcastle, I think all Steve Bruce has to do is is simply stoke that fire of of the supporters. First game of the season, go out and and give these give these supporters something to cheer about. It was such a negative end to the season mm. uh, in 2018-19. I, I almost think you know the old cliche of. Bruce's team talk will be done for him by the supporters yeah. and, and that's all he all he needs to do is ensure that his team go out motivated but mark my words if Arsenal are not at it as as it were um, I think Newcastle could, could pull one over them I really really do Arsenal need to be at the races, uh, otherwise they, they could be in for a bit of a, a bit of a slap in the face. So it's likely Tierney. Well, he won't start because he's injured. Yep. David Luiz probably will start. Fabios yep. probably will start. Pepe yep. probably will start. Yep. So that's three new players there. Some of whom have only been in training with the club yep. for well, David Luiz yeah. for one day. Pepe, so, Pepe hasn't played in, in pre-season either. Sabias has played very little. So you could argue that you know, in terms of cohesion, there that might be where Arsenal come unstuck against what will be a resilient Newcastle side at home, no doubt. And that's right through the middle of the pitch as well. Just to say, when you think of. Spine, you think of 
that's so key to Arsenal in terms of getting on the ball and, and playing through the phases. As you've just said, centre-back, centre-midfield and, and a forward who've played nothing or, or very little of pre-season. And that mm. ties in what I was saying before, is that if Arsenal are not prepared tactically, mentally, Newcastle can turn them over. We're not saying that Newcastle are you know, necessarily going to go on to great things this season. I do agree with you, Niall, that they'll do a bit better than the, the kind of doomsayers but if Arsenal are not prepared for what Newcastle are going to throw at them, then I do think they could get turned over. It's the sort of game in the past that Arsenal would lose, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Very yeah. much so, this sort of game. Well, away from home, they are stinking. Yeah. Yeah. They're we terrible. Are, yeah. The Emirates, their record's yeah. been yeah. exceptional ever since the Emirates was built. Yeah. At yeah. home, they've been very strong. But away, yeah. they just have this curse. They can't seem yeah. to break it. But talk just, about sorry, cool. just going to say, we, we are rolling out the cliches here, but they are terrifyingly accurate for Arsenal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Season. Yeah. <laughs> but we talked about cohesion before. Um, there's a lot of new signings, yes. Um, but Aubameyang and Lacazette, towards the end of last season, I know pre-season is not a good barometer. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. But they, the caveat is when they have played together in pre-season, they've looked really good. And they scored 13 of Arsenal's yeah. last 17 goals. And is there a partnership? I know they don't necessarily play as a two. But in terms of working together, I don't think there are two better forward players who work together than those two. So if those two fire, then yeah. I don't. I don't think Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, Newcastle could stop them, and they will. Arsenal will concede, mm. um, just because there's so you know there's so many fresh faces in there, um, and the, I think they even could concede first. But well, I, they I were just second think... half FC for the first part of last season. Arsenal, weren't yeah. they? There's some yeah, stupid yeah. stat that they didn't score a goal in, or they were losing all their games at half time, and then they would come back to draw or win. So I mean, it's, it's just whether. I don't know if Lacazette's fit, is he, whether he's had an ankle problem? I think there's there's a slight doubt over him and over Pepe, but to follow on from what Pete said, I would agree that as a two in, in an era where we don't really see twos no. playing together up front, uh, but we've also got to factor in Pepe. They're probably yeah. going to play a three with Pepe and Aubameyang wide-ish with, with Lacazette through the middle, and, and that poses its own problems in terms of openness because mm. um, Mesut Ozil has, has been uh, taken out of the squad for this weekend, but he will move forward play Danny Ceballos is not a defensive midfielder by any no. stretch of the imagination. So there's a real onus on Emery to say, yeah, nice one for getting all these signings in, but <laughs> how are you going to make it work? How are you going to make yeah. it work? And then we've got he who shall not be named coming in at centre back. Who who if he's not <laughs> already, he's not, not even playing. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing him, he'll be getting up and trying to get past Pepe. Yeah, but I think that's going to be Arsenal's big challenge. Is that the the last season the over alliance on the front two? That's where Pepe is a shrewd signing mm. because he's the man now who's actually going to be able to get more shots mm. away, mm. create a bit more action, and just actually you know add to the to the goal pool, which was just totally dominant on on uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette. Yeah, I would, okay. I would agree with that. Okay, we talk about cohesion there. Well, I'm speaking about Arsenal. What about Aston Villa? No fewer than 12 new faces <laughs> through the door at Villa Park. Some of whom people have never heard of. Some of them, mm-hmm. some of whom people have heard of. Yeah. Uh, they've got a tough, tough start away to Spurs, Rich. I mean, let's be honest here. The pressure's on Villa. Yeah. Because I think maybe before, if they hadn't made such big of, a big of a splash in the transfer market, over £140 million pounds they've spent... If that wasn't the case, I think maybe they'd have a little less pressure on themselves to stay up. Now, with what we saw with Fulham last season, they spent all of that money, over £100 million, and got relegated easily, comfortably. Um, the pressure's probably on Villa, although it's a tough start away to Spurs. Totally. The, the, the only team who spent more than Villa in the transfer window is United. 
So you know, it's it's quite a uh, a tall order, I think, in not terms net spend, of not net spend, not net spend. <laughs> <laughs> we need to wheel that out every now and then. Yeah, really. the proper the proper league table. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but you know, so it's a real tall order for them. I think both Spurs and and Villa have got uh, shiny new toys to to show off. But um, I do see goals in this game. Actually, I definitely see goals. They've both got new faces to bed in. Um, interesting to to see. Uh, I think a few of Villa's new signings, but then also how the likes of Grealish. Um, McGinn actually sort of mm. start in the Premier League. You know, I think they're they're going to be hungry yeah. and eager to get at Spurs. Um, then obviously, you know, like Wesley up top. Um, you know, they've obviously lost Tammy Abraham. I think <clears> they they would have given their right arm yeah. the the uh, Villa fans to keep hold of him. So yeah. so sort of uh, bedding in some new players there is going to be really interesting. But I see goals in this, but definitely see a Spurs win um, at the end of the day. Okay, that's a, a kick off today, half past five. So. Uh, what do you think, Pete? Tottenham, their new signings in Dombele, Lo Celso. It's exciting mm-hmm. offensively, maybe slightly ageing at the back, perhaps? Yeah, but it's it's not yet. They've still got a couple more years in them yet. It's very tried and trusted at the back. Davinson Sanchez has, has, has made uh, the centre-back position his own um, and he looks as good as, as, as any in the Premier League, really, in that position on his day. Uh, Vertonghen is, is, is still exceptional at the back. Alderweireld is the is the odd one, isn't it? What I mean, everyone just assumed this summer that he'd be going somewhere and there'd yeah. be a big clamour for him. And and it was no secret that he was available for twenty five yeah. twenty five million pounds. He's not completely over the hill, and yet nobody touched him. Nobody touched him with the basketball. There was no bids. There was no interest. It was like, is there something underlying there? Do you yeah, think, well, injury maybe or something like there's, that. There's injuries as well, and there's always been concerns about his his attitude. He's yeah. been very outspoken in the fact that I don't sure. want to be here. So if you, no. he's another if, one with a year left, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. it's so. just like if you're if you're a manager and you've you've seen players like that who are saying I don't want to be there, and is he going to come and do the same at my club? Um, Pochettino's never been a fan of him. Is uh, a fan of him as a player, but not as a person. Um, and that's always because he's been he's such a very good centre half. Yeah, he's been one of the best centre halves in this in the in the Premier League in the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, United chased him and chased him and chased him. Didn't get it over the line because Edward didn't want to go through with it. Because um, he could get him for free in a year's he time. Get him free yeah. in a year's time. Yeah. <laughs> but now no one wants him. But this is an interesting point because if you look at what Manchester United have in their dressing room and you hear rumours of. Paul Pogba being a poison mm. in the dressing room and yeah. quotes like that that come out. Is that really the atmosphere that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would want in his dressing no, room? Maybe that, maybe, that is, maybe that is why they haven't yep. gone back in. So that's a really interesting point. And I think I remember a few years ago, I think Denver Barr went to Chelsea for, for what was quite cheap at the time, mm-hmm. 10 million, something like that. But I think he had, like his knee was on a, on really close. So he had a quite a weak knee yeah. and there was a chance that he, he could pick up a knee injury at any moment or something like that. So yeah. I think sometimes that is factored into it. Charlie Austin is never yeah. uh, an expensive signing for any team because yeah. of course his hamstring is yeah. he's, made, well, he's made a glass isn't he Charlie Austin yeah, same yeah. as Andy Carroll they're always getting injured these mm-hmm. players um, I can see a Spurs victory I do think Aston Villa will notch though I don't think it'll be a, I don't think it'll be a clean sheet for Spurs the thing with Villa I mean, I mean we we can you know we know some things about Tyrone Mings I, th- I think that's a lot of money they paid for him don't get me wrong but he was key to getting them into the Premier League so yes they, they may have paid an inflated fee for him but he was key uh a key part of that team, and it, it, with all new signings, even though it, you know we're talking like six months, it's still good to get people who were part of that um, promotion push in this season, like uh, so securing Tyrone Mings on a permanent deal. But we don't know; we we, we really don't know about Villas. I mean, when you spend that sort of money, I mean, 
you looked at, you know, you go back 12 months, I, you look at some of those players that Fulham signed, and I thought, they're top 10. Yeah. Top, top 10 here. Like some of the names they were getting, some of the money, the money that they were spending. You looked at their, you looked at their team. I, I, I went to their first game of the season uh, last season, and I looked at their team. I thought, yeah, pretty good. This is a pretty good side here. I mean, Especially with a, the style of football they played, yeah, and, they were, and they were playing really good football yeah. at the start and at the first couple of games, and then it just all fell apart. And that could easily happen again. We don't know. Um, Dean Smith doesn't have a track record in the Premier League, so we don't know what that's going to be like. It, they could finish. They could finish tenth, or they could finish bottom. It, it's a, it's a I really. Think, I think another thing based on how they how they got into the Premier League. Obviously, they yeah. did the typical pull together an unbelievable run yeah. from from March when they just weren't really that. They weren't really at close. They were with uh, sort of all the best of the rest in the in the championship, going for that sixth playoff place, yeah. and they put together such a good run to get there. Yeah. And obviously, then you know, getting straight to the playoffs and uh, to play a final and get promoted, yeah. um, it's going to be difficult to potentially keep that momentum up that's going to be required to get a good start in the Premier League, yeah. Yeah. which I think is so key, so key to them. But mm. um, I think one thing that is inevitable is that Tyron Mings will get booked because he's <laughs> a I think uh, <laughs> uh, I think Grealish, yeah, on his way to the Premier League, Grealish got a punch in the face as well. From yes, the he did. Yeah. Well, on the back of the, on the back of the head. Well, still, yeah, still, still, was it like the not the bravest? Yeah, yeah, we could get some of the maybe some boxing experts in to analyse yeah. that, or maybe it's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit too soon for that in the Premier League season. Hopefully, we don't see any of that this year in all seriousness uh, so that's three of the, the fixtures we're looking at in a little bit more detail but let's go through some of the other games as well because we can't leave everyone out on opening weekend so just a quick word on some of these games guys as to who you think uh, <coughs> might be better off place to pick up the three points. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Everton, I call it the Wilfred Zaha derby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fergal what are you thinking there? Uh, uh, for me Everton uh, I will, Yeah I would steer towards Everton anyone that remembers from the back end of last season this was one of the worst games uh, towards the, 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 the back end of last season it was absolutely dire so anything is an improvement on that um, Crystal Palace have been very boring yeah. uh, I think in the transfer window in terms of who they've brought in yeah. uh, obviously they've retained Zaha but what sort of a Zaha they've retained yeah. uh, I don't really think Roy Hudson is the type of manager to bench him or drop him or, no. or any of those types of things I think we can firmly see him starting front row centre for uh, for Palace at the weekend but uh, sorry uh, this evening, um, but I think we're in a situation now where Everton have, have brought in players that are going to, as I said before, help them achieve their objectives. And I think they'll have just enough. I think that they are a team to keep an eye on this season. Recruited good players, experienced players, with a nice little mix of of youth in there. I don't expect this to be an absolute classic based on last season, but I think Everton will have enough to take what would be a, a real morale boost in three points back to Goodison Park. OK, Bournemouth against Sheffield United, Pete. Uh, not the most glamorous of ties and perhaps maybe a, an easier start for Sheffield United. I don't think they would have been too disappointed when that fixture was started. Um, Bournemouth as well will want to get off to a good start considering how they ended last season. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this game? We were saying this, we were saying this off air, weren't we, Niall, in the fact that everyone just thinks, right, it's now. It's Bournemouth year now. They're going down now. Yeah. They've had they've had the moment in the sun, and then they go and then they go and outperform again. Yeah. I mean, they were top ten comfortably for yeah. the first half of last season, and they they pick up players like David Brooks, uh, for example, who is an excellent excellent midfielder, and they just they don't they, they get their transfer business done early. Eddie, ha- I think the season had, had, had been over two days, and Eddie Howard already brought somebody in for next mm, season, mm. Um, and. Yes, it's an, it's a it's a it's a nice day out for Sheffield United fans. Uh, August on the south coast is nice. <laughs> it's a it's a nice away trip to get started. It's a lovely ground. I love going down there. It's brilliant. Um, but 
I I just think I just think Bournemouth will do it again. They'll they'll, they'll they they always just seem to sort of play with the pressure off, don't they? They'll play some nice football. I think there'll be real Matt goals in this game. Yeah, I, I do. Think this could be I the do. highest scoring yeah, game. Yeah, I of the do. Weekend. I I I think so. I'm gonna yeah three two three two to Bournemouth, and but Sheffield United will will have will have a really good go and a really good show and, and show more of what is to come. I think for this season with them. Yeah, I mean David Brooks is out injured for three months. I think Dan Gosling's also out injured for three months. Yeah. So they they've made a move for Harry Wilson on yeah. deadline oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. before Great deadline signing. day. Really good signing. Uh, you know that looks an exciting one. So that's Bournemouth versus Sheffield United. Another. Uh, tasty one to start the season. Burnley <laughs> against Southampton. Uh, Richard, Burnley, they've not made too many astute <laughs> signings this summer transfer window, but they have got Danny Drinkwater on loan. That's probably their, their biggest bit of business they've done. Um, they're always close to the drop. Is this the season? Maybe. that It might be uh, too difficult for Sean Dyche to keep them up. They've got an opening day game at Turf Moor against Southampton. Yeah, definitely for me. I've, I've tipped them to go down. Um, I'm surprised they didn't strengthen more. Um, to be honest, in this window, I think Drinkwater was, was was a smart signing. But um, but you know, kind of other than that, I think it's clear that they really needed to bring bring a bit more into the team. Mm. Um, Southampton love Ralph. Can never say his name. Hudson Hoddle. Means like rabbit hutch, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah so that's a translation, right? It's rab- rabbit hutch. Rabbit hutch. Oh, I yeah. love him even more. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, they've brought in a few new names, um, amongst <laughs> who I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the in the Premier League is Shea Adams. Um, obviously, again, did well for Birmingham last year in the Championship. Um, well loved by them. I see them getting a win. Um, obviously, it is at Turf Moor, but I can see it being... You know, fairly routine, probably a 2-1, maybe a 3-1. You're falling into that trap. You're doing the Sean Dyche thing. You just ignore the fact that it'll be a 1-0. It'll be be ugly. Jay Rodriguez header later on. Some of these stats here. Last five Premier League games between Burnley and Southampton have produced just six goals. And seven of the eight Premier League meetings between the two sides have been goalless at half-time, which is 87.5%. That should have been my big call then. (laughs) A a 2-1 or a 3-1. Yeah, (laughs) 4-all. 4-all game. Um, Okay. What about Watford versus Brighton? Uh, I think Watford have made some decent signings. Ishmaeli Saar looks like a good player. Tore Arsenal a new one in the Europa League last season, mm-hmm. didn't he? As Fergal with grimaces, as I say that, being an <laughs> Arsenal supporter. Um, they take on Brighton, who, who Richard's tipped to do better than many expect this season with a with a decent-ish transfer window, some of the players they've brought mm-hmm. in. Um, for me, uh, I, I think it's going to be a draw. Yeah. I think this one will be a draw. Yeah, I, I do. I, I agree. Just to, to build on what Rich said before about Graham Potter, I, I, I'm kind of more steering towards the other way. I wasn't particularly impressed with him at Swansea. I was impressed with him at Ostersund. I thought he, he obviously grew his profile there. But in terms of his performance at Swansea, I don't think they were particularly exciting. I do agree that you've seen a different side to him since he's taken over at Brighton. But um, I think in terms of recruitment, Watford win the day on this one. Uh, he's going to be he as in Potter is going to be relying on the same players that Chris Hutton was relying on in terms of the bulk of their first 11 whereas I think Javi Garcia will do a similar thing with better players and players that are able to adapt a little bit more um, but it's very very difficult as, as Nile says to, to pick a winner in this one I think a lot of these situations when you've got teams in similar situations in terms of where they're likely to finish in the table everyone's very 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 concerned with showing too much on the opening day mm. just get it done get the box ticked make sure you don't get beat make sure you put in a bit of a good good performance and look to build from there yeah. i definitely think this can be filed under maybe give a miss i'll be i'll be pretty <laughs> surprised if it's not you know pretty low down on the match of the day running order but um mm. yeah a draw maybe watford to sneak at 1-0 Okay, well, it'll be deja vu for Leicester and Wolves fans as our final game uh, of the fixtures of the weekend. Um, This was the opening day fixture last season, albeit the other way around. Wolves were at home rather than Leicester. Throw this one out to the panel. 
What do we think about this one, guys? Because I think they're two teams that have strengthened pretty well this summer. So uh, how do you see that one going? Really exciting. I'm really excited to see both of these teams, actually. I, I think Brendan Rodgers is assembling a really, really, really strong squad uh, at Leicester. And Wolves are just have got the pu- the puppet master extraordinaire, Jorge Mendes, <laughs> pulling pulling the strings from up above and and get all of his clients on the on the cheap. And it's they, they've got a, fan, a fantastic side and they've got European football uh, to come as well. Mm-hmm. This they've, got, they've got Torino, I think, in their final qualifier, yeah. which will be their toughest test yet. But interestingly, Nuno Espirito Santo has said their focus has been solely on the Europa League. Yep. They're only in Armenia, a 6,000 mile round trip just yep. yesterday. So yep. to be perfectly yep. honest, it's going to be tough for them to readapt to, to conditions. One of my pet hates this, and I'm, I'm glad that he said that because it really, really winds me up when... So a team works so hard over the season to qualify for the Europa League and then they get to the Europa League qualifiers and they play some kids and get knocked out in the qualification state like West Ham did. Yeah. yeah. Like why would Burnley had that as well? Yeah. And it's like, well, we want to focus on the Premier League. So what's the point? What's the point exactly. of getting there? What in did the you first do place? all of that yeah. for? What did you do all months? of that for? So when you get there, take it seriously. It's it's an adventure. If you're not gonna go if you're not it's, gonna go down, it's like the end go of the, for it. It's like the end of the cycle of finishing in the top four. What's the point yeah. of finishing in the Champions yeah. League spots? You're gonna get knocked out in the group stages. Yeah, yeah, and then you finish in the top four again, you get it, knocked it, out in the group stages. It's fun something to to really get behind as well. You know, I think like it means so much, you know, when you when you sort of support one of those, you know, mid-table yeah, teams yeah. who, you know, maybe arguably are, are punching above your weight, and yeah. you get something to get behind and believe yeah. in. It's you a fantastic a trip, journey. You get a yeah. how, how often are Wolves fans going to go watch the team in Turin? You know, he's just yeah, awesome. this is Italy in the summer. Yeah, can't absolutely. get better than that. But we know that that does sometimes come with the challenges as well. You know, it does yeah, put pressure but, on the on the squad. Yeah, we'll have to um, wait and see on that yeah. one. I think I think that would be a really interesting tie between those two sides. Call it a tie, but it's uh, it's not a cup, is it? It's not cut match. It's a league no, match. No, 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 no. It's back not at all. You've got to get don't back into the don't rhythm have to of it worry now. About yeah. Audi Cup or, or Premier Mil- League Asia Mil- Trophy. Cup yeah. or Asia yeah. Trophy. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about that now. Back into the swing of things, the Premier League. And this is Premier League Daily. I'm Niall alongside. We've got Richard. We've got Pete. Fergal producing the show today. We want to hear from you as well. Anything you want us to talk about on next week's show or even any of the shows through the week, because of course this is a daily podcast at the Sports Social on Twitter. Don't forget as well to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show and leave us a nice little review as well and there's lots of new faces on the Premier League daily as there will be in the Premier League this season with new managers new players and there's also some new rules here's Jim from on the left side to tell us a little bit more about what's new rule wise in the Premier League this season on the left side the funny football show this Premier League season is going to see a whole new set of rules being introduced players now will be able to leave the pitch at any point when they're being subbed So no more slow jogs to the halfway line. There are now no attackers allowed in a defensive wall. Get out of here! And of course, VAR has finally arrived in the Premier League, which means that match of the day now has to be twice as long just to accommodate Alan Shearer telling us how he was never a big fan of it and it should be only used for black and white decisions. Isn't that a bit racist? Typical. Anyway, there's a load of other new rules added too. One new twist that has been completely overlooked, however, is the use of the referee's whistle. It's been part of the game since they were first introduced around 100 years ago, so maybe now is the time to freshen it up a bit. Thankfully, one referee has taken matters into his own hands. In Tiptree Endgame FC's pre-season kickabout with Stanway Rovers reserves. The matchday ref was running late and so a substitute had to be found. Unfortunately, that substitute didn't have a whistle with him, so he was forced to, well, improvise. 
Yep, the man in the middle is using a harmonica instead of a whistle for the match. It's like having Bob Dylan as the match referee. I like it. It's one rule that I'd quite like to see introduced in the Premier League. And you could have different notes and different sequences meaning different things. Let me demonstrate. A player getting sent off could have a kind of melancholy feel. An offensive free kick in an attacking area could be something dramatic like this. And if the referee calls for a VAR review, well, it would probably have to be something a little bit longer. Done yet? No? OK. <gasps> Still no? Ah, screw it. You can find more from On The Left Side in our weekly podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. That was Jim from On The Left Side. I'm sure he ran out of puff there blowing that harmonica for about three minutes straight. I don't I hope the FA aren't listening because they might get some ideas. Football's a strange game nowadays. You never know what might be added into the rules. But let's talk about some of the new rules that Jim was talking about there. VAR, that's the big one. Although, yeah. interestingly enough, how we've come to perceive VAR in the English game from the likes of the Champions League and the World Cup in 2018, mm-hmm. it's going to be used in a totally different way. Yeah. It's really weird. If you're going to use VAR, just use it the same way that everyone else uses it. If you're not going to use it in the way that it's meant to be used, just sack it off entirely. And this is, uh, don't get me started on this because we do another 40 minutes on (laughs) this uh, about VAR, but it's going to take some getting used to. Yeah, it's going to take some getting used to, um, but it it is, in one way or another, something we've all been calling for for a long time, utilising technology to improve things. It will bring, have its drawbacks. There will be a lot of problems and it will actually cause more debate than yeah. it solves. Um, but we have, in one way or another, at some point, moaned about a decision that's yeah. cost our side a game. So we can never have... We can, we, if we've said that in the past and there is a remedy now, we can't complain really, can we? I think that's an interesting point. I think you are right, Pete, in that people have been arguing for, for years over the use of, of um, technology to help with offsides, with decisions, with, with the goal line technology. And, and this is an issue that I've had this chat with quite a few people where they go, why can't it be like the goal line technology? And you go, well, no, because there's a difference between a human being mm. and a ball. So it's not going to be that way. Yeah. And obviously with VAR... I have not heard one positive comment made about VAR. At best, people are kind of neutral about it. And I just think moving into this season, there's so many creases that still haven't been ironed out in terms of, from a fan's perspective, hopefully referees and and, and players and and coaches will be a bit more au fait with it than, than supporters. But... Supporters still do not know I'm an awful it. lot about it. They, I'm they dreading really, it. Really don't. And, I, and, I, I'm not looking forward to it at all. And, what, and what's happened in international tournaments is wide interpretation of, of the rules. That one of the one of the facets of it was that it was to take the level interpretation out of it and allow the referee to make a cold decision based on a machine telling him or her 
what had happened. That isn't the case now because we're constantly told in the in you know in the mini build up to to games, VAR can do this, this, and this, but it can't do this. So now what's happening is referees are basically being told we trust your judgment, but we don't quite. You want to do us a favour and just go and check your own judgment. They're not being told in the majority of cases by VAR this is a foul or this is this or this isn't this. It's a case of you might be right, you might be wrong. Why don't you go and have a look? But, you know, it's still up to you. It's all this It's very strange yeah, yeah. dancing around the issue. There's an enormous lack of clarity it's like in, for in it. in cricket, albeit the umpires in the test match last week were absolutely yeah. shocking. <laughs> yeah. um, and we that's needed, why, they that's, needed the technology that's for that. the technology is yeah. there. Um, but in terms of cricket, as soon as it goes upstairs to the third umpire, it's in their hands. The decision is taken away, yeah. uh, the majority away from the on-field umpire and the on-field decision maker. So I kind of think that, that football can follow suit in that sense. I think personally I'd rather have Jim playing the harmonica in my ear for, yeah. for the whole season than uh, than have VAR. <laughs> just, That's just a personal I just think thing. it's one of those things, though, it's, it's, it still has that element of, of human error, you know, and that, that's just not going to disappear. You yeah. know, we... I think that's what what makes it so difficult for referees is even mistakes are going to be made when you've got three, four people watching a screen mm. and then helping you make a decision and watching yeah. it in a replay, you know, sort of two, three, four, five times. Yeah. It's it's going to be fascinating. I think one of the most interesting things about it, though, as well, is is uh, now they say that they're, they're going to show a replay of the action mm, on, yeah. the, on the screens, yeah. which is great in theory. Look at the two places that have big screens in the Premier League: yeah, Old yeah. Trafford and Anfield. Yeah, what, yeah. What they, I, I'm fascinated. What's, what, yeah, how's yeah. that going to play out? Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. To be no. perfectly honest, but we have to wait and see. It's another thing which is going to be exciting. It's going to grip everyone's attention this Premier League season. And to close things out, one man who I was missing on transfer deadline day. One man <laughs> who I, I thought was absent, notably absent, and especially his car window interview. Gutted that was not there. Harry Redknapp, where was he? Where someone could have just gone to his house at least and interviewed yeah. him through he the window. He was him out of the kitchen yeah. window. He was on a jam roly poly promotion yeah. tour, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think like I think he was in the kitchen making a jam roly poly. Someone just needed to give him a little knock. Yeah. And it would have been gold. He would have given you anything, anything, anything yeah, to get yeah. that man to open a window. Peter Odin Wigging was waiting outside his house, <laughs> outside the front gate. Of course, Harry Redknapp, a man who said, I almost sign that player every time he's on television. So I want to ask you guys if you can guess the players that I'm referring to, that Harry Redknapp claims that he's almost signed. So, I tell you what, we'll just go shout it out, see if you know. I'll give you a clue. Shout it out, see if you know who I'm talking about. Some of the words I use might give it away. We'll start with the first one. I was at West Ham and Frank Lampard Sr. and I were approached by these two villains who said they were doing some business in the Ukraine and we were so scared of them we agreed to have a look Chef at Chef Chef these kids. Oh, ho, ho. well done. <laughs> I don't know who won that though. I think, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll pass the point over here. Yeah. I wasn't conceded, I, wasn't, I won that. I wasn't, I wasn't quick enough on my little, del, my little bell to say you got yeah. it right. Of course, it was Andrei Shevchenko. Uh, he said they wanted a million quid for him. Frank Lampard Sr. said it was too much and I'm blaming Frank because we let him go and his name was Andrei Shevchenko. Shenko, so well done, lads. Well, oh, dodged a bullet there. He's rubbish in the Premier League, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Harry knows. Harry, yeah, Harry knows. knows. Oh, yeah. wise man, Harry. Uh, the year's 2012. Harry Redknapp's writing uh, a column for the Evening Standard. The deal was almost done, but it got lost somewhere in the negotiations between Tottenham and Villarreal. Cazorla? Oh, Fergal. Oh, yes. Wow. Of course, yeah. Fergal. What could have been him? Yeah. God, he's showing, he's showing you guys up here, Fergal. <laughs> Here's the next one. Okay, Harry Redknapp said this. We had him for next to nothing when he was 17, and that would have been another deal that dragged on forever, and we didn't get it over the line. He should have been at Tottenham. This is a hard one. Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo? Mm. Ronaldo. 
I'll give you a clue. He plays in net. He's a keeper. De Gea? No, it's not De Gea. Doesn't play in the Premier League anymore, but did. Big, tall Belgian. Courtois. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well nice. Got there eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoon-fed to you. Spoon-fed yeah. to you. Yeah. Here's the next one. I met him at his house in Hampstead. There's a clue. And he had no fear about what people would think or what reception he would get. He had enough confidence in his ability to just brush it away. Who's that that Harry Redknapp's talking about? Is that an Arsenal or a Spurs ha- player? Hampstead's oh, famous residence. I don't know. That's yeah. not my specialist oh, subject. Yeah. Former on. Arsenal captain. Tony Adams. Tony- there we go. It's not Tony Adams. Sol Campbell? It's not Sol Campbell. It's not Macclesfield boss Sol Campbell. You've got to refer to him as Macclesfield manager Sol Campbell nowadays. Hold on, hold on. Vieira? It's Patrick yeah. Vieira. Well done. Couple more. Two more. And uh, we'll start with this one. You've got to take him, Harry, Rude Hullet told me. He's fantastic. This is Harry Redknapp claiming in his book. I was on the verge of taking the plunge. The price went up and in the end he was sold for £22.8 million to Liverpool. We wouldn't have paid that. Ooh, Rude um, Hullet, so he would have been at Chelsea or Newcastle. Rude Hullet, Chelsea manager, so late, Newcastle. mid, late 90s. He might not, Hullet might not have been a manager at this point. Okay, oh. okay, uh, okay, okay. Dutch, maybe. Uh, uh, is he Dutch? Not Dutch. Dutch. Oh dear. European. Do you need a clue? Yes, go on, please. Go on. Um, <laughs> he's definitely a player to get your teeth stuck into. Suarez. Hey, there we go. Final one. Yeah. I met this player and spent three hours with him at a hotel in Paris. I met him at the airport and he was dead keen to come to Tottenham. He didn't end up Tottenham. He ended up somewhere else in London. Henri. It wasn't Henri. Anelka? Wasn't Anelka? Remember, Harry Redknapp was when was Redknapp oh, manager of Tottenham? Yeah, what sort yeah, of time? Yeah, okay. Sort of time frame. French, uh, French, French international, if it's Paris, no? Not French, but he speaks French and German and Belgian. Oh. Uh, Hazard? It's Hazard. Fergal yeah. is storming wow. all <laughs> Okay, uh, apparently he tried to sign Beckham, Gattuso, Gunnosaurus from Arsenal, Donald Trump and Harambe, if rumours are to be believed. <laughs> That'd be some five-a-side team, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gunnosaurus would fill out the good one afterwards, wouldn't it? You wouldn't fancy facing them, would you? I'll tell you what, you wouldn't fancy facing them. Right then, thank you very much for listening (laughs) to Premier League Daily. My thanks to Richard Johnson. Thank you very much. Thanks to Pete Hall. Thanks to Fergal Brennan as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss another show. We'll be back with all the previews for next week as well. Make sure you tune in every week, every day, because we'll have podcasts every single day of the week. It's the quickest way to get all the best Premier League news from your club. And don't forget to ask Alexa to enable Sports Social if you do have an Amazon Alexa device, because we'll be giving you daily updates for all 20 Premier League clubs whenever you want them. Join our Fantasy League as well, AJR338. You you have missed the first week of Fantasy Action, but there's still time to get involved. And if you win the league, you'll win a £100 voucher to spend at Classic Football Shirts. So make sure you get involved in that. I've been Niall McCorn. Thanks for listening to Premier League Daily. We'll see you tomorrow. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. I love my club. Every match, the manager... Every player who's pulled on the shirt. Don't just talk to me about football. Talk to me about my one and only. I love my club, but I don't love them up the road. Listen to daily smart speaker updates for your Premier League team and your team only. With Sports Social, get closer to the club you love. Ignore the ones you don't. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social and choose your team. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.